Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 47 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me as always is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Zesty and robust. Ooh, zesty and robust. That sounds like a good combination for a podcast. So let's get to it. Strap yourselves in, everyone, and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a wonderful show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our must-pull recommendations from the past two weeks, our favorite new number ones, and we might even get in a little conversation about some of the things we didn't get to at the launch of the season, a little thing called Wonder Woman 84, and maybe a little of that WandaVision. I don't, Stay I don't have faith in this. This is the Pull List Podcast. You don't? No, I don't think we're going to make it there. Don't. And I, I haven't we're even totally watched WandaVision make- today, so we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, so for people that don't know, we record on Fridays, which means we sometimes we don't get the wand up, but we shall see. This is the Pull List Podcast. So starting off right at the top, we always want to bring you guys kind of new information on what's going on in the industry, interesting things in comics, and everything kind of in between. And so we have a few things for you uh, this time around the water cooler of the newsroom. And right off the top, Hector... Are you ready for the X-Men to go corporate? Haven't they always been? No, I mean, literally, they're going to put on suits and ties, open a corporation, and they're going to call it X-Corp. And in May, you get to read about X-Corp. They're running a nation now, I meant. So, okay, whatever. (laughs) So, running a multidimensional Fortune 500 conglomerate just seemed like the natural next step. And, well, congratulations, everyone. You got your wish. Uh, I mean, they're they're technically already Uh, doing that in Marauders. Um, with you know the Hellfire Corporation, pirate enterprise. No, but there's like a legitimate like enterprise to the Hellfire, whatever. But yeah, okay, go on, go on. That's true. Yeah, so uh, Teeny Howard is going to be writing the book. Um, so you know Hector and I have are aware of Teeny. She's a North Carolina um folk, or at least she had spent a great deal of time there. And so she was always around for a lot of shows that we did and everything. So I'm, I'm happy to see people that were in our orbit, um, doing cool things and doing awesome stuff. But I personally didn't know that I needed X-Men in suits, but, uh, we'll wait to see what happens because if anyone can make it interesting, I have at least some faith that Teeny Howard is going to be the one that can do that for us. So all of you X-Men fans out there, uh, if you didn't think you needed another X-Men book, congratulations, Marvel found another way for you to buy another one. Um, so good times, but that's not all. I won't just pick on Marvel today. I actually get to pick on DC a little bit today because we're getting more Dark Knight um, in the near future as well. But it's not Dark Knight. It's going to be Batman the Detective because literally at the same time, a digital-only property is going to be carrying um, a Dark Knight title. And all the editors at DC felt that that might be slightly confusing. And they're not wrong, but... So basically, coming in the next little bit of time, we're going to get two Batman um, Dark Knight-ish stories. The first one I mentioned is Batman the Detective. It's a six-part mini. Um, Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert are going to be bringing us that one, and the art and everything looks really awesome, so I'm all about that. And I'm trying to double-check what the other property was going to be. Oh, yeah, it's literally going to be Batman the Dark Knight. So yeah, confusion. Okay. Things happening. Decisions are being made. Books are being published. Not against either of those things, but interesting. So for a little bit more industry-ish news, I kind of have my one thing that's kind of like deep cut for everyone that tries to keep up with stuff. And I've heard from a lot of fans that they like it when we kind of semi-nerd out on the industry itself. Well, here's something incredibly exciting because I know we've talked about diamond distribution and like how that function works, how final order cutoff and things like that work, you know, really riveting podcast material. Um, I want to talk about returnability today. 
um, because that's an exciting topic. And kind of the background for some folks on this is all you need to know is that some companies offer when you buy a particular book, usually on number ones for a lot of the companies, they will offer returnability up to a certain amount, which means if you take a risk up front and it doesn't sell, the company saying, you can send it back and we'll give you your money back. Um, and some have different types of programs with how that works beyond number ones. But one thing that Image Comics did in 2020 when the pandemic started was they went line wide and said, if you take a risk on us during this difficult time and you just can't sell through the books because you're shut down, you're closed, you can't fulfill orders or whatever, no problem, we'll take it back. And that was a big help to a lot of shop owners. Well, 2021 is here and... I guess COVID's not a thing anymore, and Image has decided that they're going to pull that program back to just their number ones, which is their normal position. And, you know, the world has solved its problems. So congratulations. We made it. I, I'm not, you know, I don't know that I have any begrudgement to that because I think it gave a lot of us the time to recoup and get our crap together. But Oh, like, for sure. It's, it's the thing of like, okay, here's Grace. But at some point, we have to actually function again. Yes. No, there's definitely that for sure. Um, it's it's just interesting. I, I don't know what led them to now. I'm assuming it's probably the realities that we're, a lot of folks are up against that. That probably has hit the point that that causes a certain amount of pain. And so I kind of agree. You can't completely blame them for it. And it was a really good move for them. And I don't remember. It may have been... This is around the one-year anniversary, which means they did it for a full year. But it's still interesting just kind of the note because they were one of the only ones that did it. Um, a lot of the other companies have different programs in place that were pretty friendly to begin with. Um, it's mostly interesting because Image Beyond, their number one guarantees, and that's what Image does is they're like, we're Image. Everyone's going to sell out of our number one. So if you think you can't actually sell them, then we will gladly buy them back. Um that they went in to go line wide was a big deal. And I think it might have been close to a year. So it's at least interesting. Um, and it's a little moment as kind of hopefully that turned back to, as you said, maybe some normalcy in the industry or at least that they needed to. So that's kind of our deep cut for the industry for this time around. But I know that you are probably incredibly excited. I don't know if you saw this news, but um, – DC has also let us know who the next Batman villain is in Tinian's run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't seem so confident. I found it interesting that clearly there appears to be a marketing strategy here because they basically told us way in advance about Punchline so they could sell a bunch of stuff. And then all of us were like, cool, that happened. Do I care about Punchline after Punchline's gone? Personally, I don't know if I do. Punchline is just Aubrey Plaza uh, with some knives. Go on. Wow. <laughs> Move on. Well, now we're getting Miracle Molly, who is basically a super engineer hacker slash all the kinds of other things that's going to take on the great detective and kind of looks like another angsty teenager that's angry at Batman. So so I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> So let me just say um, this. I, until you said that, forgot I had to return to a world where Tinian was continuing his Batman story. Exactly. I'm sorry. And that's the thing that's, that's we're going to talk about it because we've been in, Hector and I have both been enjoying Future State, but this actually is the right. Future State does end and we will be going back to um, the actual <laughs> Batman line. So right around 106, we're supposed to get a cameo, and then 108 is supposed to be the full-blown. But this is basically the next arc in the regular Batman book. Miracle Molly, get, get your speculator on and get all them covers because it looks like from a lot of the things I've been reading that there's already a ton of them. So Now, I, basically I did the really enjoy what they ended up doing with uh, whatever Ghostbuster, whatever the guy's name was. Um, oh, yeah. So he's back. 
and we are going to get more of him. They said that that seems to be sticking and he is staying in Gotham. So we're getting the new um, bad individual and more of the background of that character is what's been promised in kind of the next arc. Because if you remember where long, what feels like long ago now, um, he said he agreed he would stay. And the issue ended with Um, them running into the proverbial sunset together. Right. Oh, holding holding hands and skipping. And I actually really did enjoy that issue. Um, And if you've been reading any of the recent future state stuff, they're showing you these two page spreads of what's coming of, you know, infinite frontier. I think it's what it's called. Um, Yes. um, And the infinite frontier spread for the bat family honestly looks really dope. Like I would rock that as a poster and it appears Cassandra Cain if I'm if I'm speculating this right, it appears Cassandra Kane is either back to wearing the No Man's Land era Batgirl outfit, or Ooh. they put spoiler in a No Man's Land era Batman. But either way, there Barbara Gordon's holding a laptop, and then there is straight up a girl with all black in bat gear. So she's either abandoning the orphan mantle or what and that's just going on the two page spread, but you know. Whatever, but you could see that Ghost Maker or whatever. I legit don't remember his name, but um, <laughs> you could see that he's in the spread. Yeah, no, and I think that's what's going to be interesting and in going forward is looking at all of that and just seeing what comes out. That basically Infinite Frontiers is leaning heavily into the metal and Future State has given us this look at the we now know of this DC multiverse, which we've always had. This is a callback to multiversity and everything. And even those charts have been seen in the wild again. So if you remember the crazy like pastel colored charts that had all the circles on it, um, they're coming back to like all the different numbered planets and they're going to – I believe the prime is going to be potentially renumbered or renamed is kind of what I've heard in the mix of the early sense of all this is that this is an acknowledgement of the DC world is gigantic and we're going to tell stories across continuity is what's kind of being leaned into. And I think I'm here for it because the rumor is a future state – type approach may be applied and people are either going to love or hate that because what's rumored is events and other story arcs are going to happen in two to four issue arcs as opposed to much longer and they're playing they're not very clear where ongoing is going to fit into that um so we kind of gotta sit back and wait for them to unfold the whole thing but i think between the generation stuff what was 5G, what is future state, and then infinite is basically where we're ending up is what they've said. So we're about to see DC's kind of universe adjustment, which occurs in DC world about every two to three years, and we're pretty much exactly right there. So I will um, say that I'm really excited about the idea of a Red Hood future state book of him hunting down the Bat family that was announced. Mm Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. And I guess it's worth mentioning here briefly as well because there's just kind of news cropping out of the corners of news at the moment um, that, um, yeah, your favorite um, Wonder Woman is getting an ongoing that that was already announced. She's literally the best packaged thing out of all of this so far. I've had more fun in those two issues of Wonder Woman than – any Wonder Woman arc I've read. So And it if I had to bet, I think they are doing exactly what we talked about is they're looking at the numbers and if they make sense, they're like, yep, that's a thing. Um because I don't think we'll find out that this is the last one out of that group that that's the case with. So, you know, keep your eyes out there. That about does it from the newsroom. And that's what you need to know. Our bi-weekly look at the industry. Delivering you all that inside knowledge. And we just want to remind you, as always, you can join us in this conversation. We're not just talking at you. We love to talk with you guys about stuff that we've missed. And we love all of our nerdy friends. And you can hang out with us over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord. We have a comics channel over there. So you can check out the link in the show notes and come join us and tell Hector and I why we're wrong. No, that's not right. And if you want to tell... Maybe that's right. 
If you want to tell me why I'm wrong, you should hit me on the LTN community because I'm not <laughs> on that level of the Discord. You can tell Chris in the Discord, but you can hit me up anywhere on the LTN community. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I actually listen. Um, I was told I really needed to pick up King and Black. So I picked up King and Black number one. Um, and I didn't have time to fully read it before we record this, but uh, I am reading it. So uh, I actually listen and I listen with my dollars. Aw, see, Aww. so we're not just we're not just plugging things out there. It means that we actually love you guys and want to talk to you guys. So you know, check out those links. See, find us on the Facebook or find us at Discord, and we'd love to just continue this conversation through the rest of the week. What up, nerd? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We hope you're enjoying it. But hey, did you know that Love Thy Nerd airs almost all of its podcasts first on LTN Radio? That's right. LTN Radio is your home for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie music. And it's also the place to go to hear Love Thy Nerd's content before it reaches the podcast feed. In addition to that, Love Thy Nerd creates a lot of content that's exclusive to LTN Radio that you're missing out on. So go check out LTNOnAir.com and listen for yourself. You can also download the Live 365 app on your smartphone and search and favorite LTN Radio or enable the LTN Radio skill on your Echo devices and simply ask Alexa to play Love Thy Nerd. Now let's get you back to that podcast. But Hector, I know we joked about it kind of at the top of the show, um, but I call this our new segment Because It Matters. And... (laughs) Basically, what we've seen is tons of comic-related or adjacent or directly connected content in all kinds of other mediums comes out almost daily, and we're here for it. We do try to pay attention to it in between the piles of comics that we buy and read and all of that, and we just kind of want to circle back before we give you our polls for this week and talk briefly a little bit about a little movie that dropped over the new year on the HBO Max called Wonder Woman 84. And that was a thing. It happened. Um I wish if, if you were following the I LTN could have community those 2 hours if huh? you were following if you were following the LTN community especially in the posts and chats uh it got real heated out there discussing this movie. Yeah. <laughs> It got it got it got, um, it people got ha- surly. <laughs> people having opinions about pop culture is a thing. Um, we've learned that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It. I'm always thankful. I'm going to do the Kevin Smith thing, right? And I know I've done this before. Of I am always thankful when new comic book related material is created. It goes into existence. I watch it. I enjoy it for what it is because there was a time that we didn't get it at all. Um, and we should celebrate that. And there were certainly moments that I enjoyed this movie, but I found it a little painful. I really did. Um, for me, I felt it actually could be more eighties. It's like you gave me an eighties thing and then I, you like focused on the wrong tropes, I guess. I don't know. I wanted a better soundtrack. That's what it is. Chris wanted a better soundtrack. (laughs) Now you, you we did need a better and I did we did need a better soundtrack for an 80s movie absolutely because we've been exposed to things like stranger things and all these other right. things recently that give us 80s with a fantastic soundtrack so sure I'll take that um, and let's and let's be t- totally honest because I mean I wasn't blessing any of the rains down in Africa during this and it made me cry well they already did that with Wonder no. Woman with uh, Aquaman so oh, that's fair yeah, I mean they they literally just licensed that song for Aquaman and had Pitbull <laughs> of all people make a cover of it. So um, I don't I think they need they were that told happened. to leave it alone. <laughs> I think Toto threatened to stop blessing <laughs> rains in Africa if DC used it in another movie. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that that's not wrong. So give me give me some of your thoughts because I I want to be fair. I think that there there are many things that I enjoyed. There are some things that I thought could have been better. I think okay. pacing is probably one of the things that for Wonder Woman 84 was my biggest thing was there were times that I was like 
are we doing this or are we just present during a walk to what's going to happen next? Okay, just just to clarify, because I'm letting you host this rodeo. Um, how honest do you want me to be? Um, Ooh, um and like what? I mean, le- <laughs> people know how to contact you on Facebook, so that sounds more like a you decision. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say these things as politely as possible, and I'll, I'm gonna throw some good out there too. Um, Ooh, uh, so we will some, find good in this. We promise. Uh, um, here's some good. I thought the casting for um, Cheetah was a good choice. I had no beef with the casting. Oh, yep. Nope. Dug it. Um, I absolutely love the casting for that. Um, I honestly thought Chris Pine did well with what he was given. Um, That's fair. I am not a fan of the take of Max Lord. Um, and it's not just on Pedro. I wasn't either. Um, I, I'm, I'm used to the comic depiction of Maxwell Lord of being a stone cold soulless manipulator. Right. Um, and I think they, what I've told, what I told people is the Max Lord I expected is basically an evil Tony Stark. And that's not what we got. Well, he's a cross between the evil Tony Stark and the purple man from Jessica Jones. Kill like, Ooh, yeah, no, that's good. Yep. Um, because Max Lord can make you do stuff just by telling you and in a similar vein. Um, I, I, the humanization of him as a character, I feel that I vibe with that. I'm not mad at it. Um, I thought some of the CGI was splotchy. Um, I, I legitimately, yes. uh, I think I try and engage fully in a storyline and I think I fully disconnected, like unplugged from the matrix. The minute they put Steve Trevor in a current plane or even a 1984 plane and he flew to Cairo with no direction. (laughs) Um, He was like jets. Cool. Flip, 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 flip. (laughs) Um, because to go from what he flew in World War One to a 1984 jet, and to tell me he's going to manage to make it to America, from America to Cairo and back, not even accounting for fueling, um, <laughs> and that he would fly a plane into what is literally, uh, flak. Sparkly flak. I just, like, my, my logic switched off. I'm like, hold on. This is a stretch. Um... And I I thought the ending was like the, you know, give up your wish. I just feel like the logistics of that, even for magic, was wonky. And um, now, guys, y'all, if you've listened to any of this, you know, I am I bleed DC. I I I literally (laughs) was looking back at some of the stuff I published in my books where I'm lovingly defending Justice League. And where I'm praising <laughs> Batman versus Superman. I bleed DC. And this made me sad. Um, and I don't Aww. want to be overly controversial or ugly. And so I'm just going to be real sensitive and say it in this capacity. Um, I felt really uncomfortable with the idea that Wonder Woman... Sorry, uh, PG upping in words here. Um, I feel uncomfortable that Wonder Woman would have sex with someone who could not give their knowledgeable consent. That Steve Trevor was in this. Steve Trevor was in another dude's body. And for Wonder Woman to engage in physical intimacy with another dude's body without that dude being able to give consent really made me uncomfortable. Um, and my daughter... It was a weird mechanic, to say the very least. Now, I watch every superhero movie with my three daughters. And um, my 12-year-old pulled me to the side and had some really sharp questions using some wording I'm just going to leave out of here um, about that Ooh. situation. And uh, that left such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and here's the deal. I love that they gave, uh, Linda Carter, um, a little, 
swishy swishy cameo at the end. I was down for it. I did. That, I dig the eighties vibe. I dig what they were shooting for. Um, I just know that if I had taken my family of five to the theaters and spent sixty dollars to have watched it, I would have been livid. <laughs> livid. Um, that's me. Yeah, no, I, I, I share many of the, the same similarities on issues, um, that there were some things that end up kind of living in comic trope town as opposed to anywhere else, um, that felt painful. Like you mentioned, the CGI in the final battles was kind of not great. Um, and that we never got a full that... color version of Cheetah. Like, we didn't get to see her in her glory, like, with proper lighting. But whatever. Right. Go on. Sorry. I'm going to shut up. And then even that was like, oh, I know how to fix this. Eat electricity. Oh, that doesn't stop you? Cool. Wind will. We should have said spoilers at the beginning of all of this, but here we are. You've had time. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a lot of small things to enjoy. Um in the movie, it it ultimately was the 80s, though they kind of went a little heavy on some of the jokes. Um, for those of you that love things that are interesting in movies, um, the shopping mall at the beginning was the Stranger Things shopping mall. It was shot at the same location and literally reskinned for both. Um, so congrats. If you caught that, you got really good eyes. Um, but Yeah. It was a thing. It happened. Um, DC continues the roll on, and Zack Snyder's going to get his shot at giving us a four-hour version of Justice League to see if that breathes life into that. So I'm at least excited for where DC continues to go. Just felt they kind of swung at that one, and maybe there was a reason they released it on HBO instead of waiting for a theatrical release like Black Widow that we might finally get this year, maybe. So, you know, it's a thing. And I think to kind of counterbalance it with um, Chris and Hector saying maybe some nice things about stuff, we wanted to spend at least a hot minute on jumping over to the MCU and talking about WandaVision because I'm sure everyone – well, everyone's been asking me and other folks that – I think what we can do here is let's let's keep it high level for this discussion and maybe we'll come back at some point if people want us to pontificate on some of our thoughts about what's going on. But um, what's what has been your experience at least in watching – I think for the sake of this discussion, it's the first five episodes yeah. of, of WandaVision because, um, again, we, we record kind of towards the end of the week and we haven't gotten to six yet. So um, – how have you in how have you felt about the journey that the MCU is giving us on the small screen with characters we are typically used to only seeing on the big screen? I feel like that uh the execution of bringing them over was good. Um I remember watching I'm just going to for the lack of better terms watching some muggles watch this um <laughs> right during the first 3 episodes and I get it. If your full understanding of what you were seeing was just the first three episodes, it was probably you had no idea what's going on. It was probably really confusing and really frustrating. Um, and I totally get that. But I thought even that was cutesy. Um, if it had remained in that vein, then it would have been different. Um, like I would have, I probably would not have many positives to say, but the fact that uh it freaking kicked the doors in um come you know episode four and five like oh uh-huh. okay y'all oh, it's like there came a point um that once we saw how this really fit in the mcu that it's like oh this is amazing um and just all the ways it ties in and all the speculation and everything. I think once, you know, they took the blinders off with episode four, um, full steam ahead. Um, because once you saw episode four, it made the first three episodes so much better. Yep. Like rewatching it and just made a difference. 
And I think what's really interesting, and there's been a few articles out there that's given us the pieces of it, is everyone's like, I just don't know if I can like relive those eras of television. It's like, well, as we learn, you're not supposed to. It's very on purpose. And it's cool to know that for the early episodes that were 50s and 60s, um, Dick Van Dyke was used as consultant for it so that it actually had those feels. It's like, so when you walked away and went, wow, I really did not want to relive a 50s and 60s sitcom, it's like, cool. Then you took away the experience that they wanted you to take away. Um, and they've dumped a lot of effort into making those things be that explicit with the whole decade jumping and everything. And that's just cool. And then, like you said, though, when the doors kind of got blown off it and we see where we actually are um, in the timeline of of events, which I think is the best way to put it, that I did the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm down. And may maybe I'll spoil one thing because it's the one thing I do want to get on about this. And then we're just going to have to say, hey, y'all, catch us in the community for the actual conversation or future episodes um, because there's a lot of comic book stuff going on here. Um, so short version is – Yes, your theories about everything may or may not be true. That's super useful, isn't it? But it's the MCU. It's what Feige and all these guys do really well is it's not just a storyline they're weaving together. There's multiple. And when they started this show, they said up front is we just gave you 10 years of getting, you know, dipping your toe into the Marvel world. We're moving on to Marvel and we're going to get to some stuff that is going to make some of your heads hurt and some of you fans are going to be like, it's about time. So if you feel lost, don't worry about it. There's a lot going on. But what they've given us so far is this journey where they eventually grab you by the hand and go, it's okay. Let us show you where you are. But the one moment that regrounded me in the timeline, and this is the spoilerly bit, is we finally saw – what happened when people got snapped back oh, dude, into yeah. the MCU. So I want to talk about this as kind of our point for this because sitting in the movie theater when we saw Endgame play out and we saw the moment with Clint and his family and everything, like my, my blood turned ice cold and like couldn't breathe for a couple minutes. Now think of that on the opposite side and how they introduced it to us in this show of it's almost as chaotic and emotional that people that had been gone for that period of time, which was what, three years, five years? Five years. Somewhere in that, in that range. Five. Right. Um, suddenly reappeared right where they were when, when the world literally almost ended for 50% of people. Um, with no idea of what had occurred. Oh, it and broke my heart. I had that. <laughs> it broke yeah. my heart. I had, I had, I had that exact feeling I did from the first side again, and I went, "Oh, good on you, Marvel." Oh, the show hit um, me way harder than the movie. Be and and it's because there was a lot that, you know, that was a oh, I just lost the person in that instant kind of thing, right? Um, this was if people had been lost in the last five years, you have no idea why. And you're also overcoming that five years of life is just gone. And I was just like, okay, nope. Th this is why you guys get paid the big bucks because people keep saying, oh, superhero -y movies, they don't make you feel things. I'm like, I'm sorry. If you haven't felt stuff on the MCU journey, <laughs> might, need, might need to check on some things there. But yeah, so all that to say, I think they're holding back a very interesting story that we're just getting to see the pieces of. So theorize away, but I don't think we're going to know until the end of the show. And we might not even know in the end of the show what actually happened. I've been telling some people, I think you may need to prepare yourself to not have an answer by the end. You might have a really good idea, but I think the answer is going to come in the, in the movie that follows. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 So that's kind of our, our teaser flavor of 
some of the stuff that's been going on on the big and small screens for the last couple years just to kind of hold you over and get you ready for the next thing. So... This week in nerd history, the ghost who walks. Nerd history. Created by Lee Falk a full two years before Superman would debut, the first superhero was the Phantom. He debuted in his own newspaper comic strip on February 17th, 1936. It recounted the adventures of Kit Walker, who donned a mask and purple outfit to become the Phantom, also known as the ghost who walks. The character's whited-out eyes with no visible pupils became a feature of many later superheroes, including Batman, Green Lantern, and Green Arrow. The Phantom was made into a feature film in 1996, starring Billy Zane. Sadly, it was a commercial flop. With a budget of $42 million, it only was able to rake in $17.3 million at the box office. One reviewer called it, The Ghost Who Puts Us to Sleep. Yikes. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Hector, let's transition on over to what the peoples pay us for. Oh, wait. They still don't pay us, but that's fine. Um, Let's talk comics, which we've always been talking about. But let's explicitly talk about what made it into your pull list. Oh, wait, no. Well, now... (laughs) It's season three. We were going to get to it eventually. But what did you pull over the last two weeks that everyone absolutely need, needs to go run to their local comic shop if they can or at least order it and pick it up? Um, what's good? And for the record, um, I think I would mentioned this back in our previous season or whatever. Um, I was trying to like I spent like two years doing only digital um, just because of life. Um, and I, it is what it is, man. (laughs) But (laughs) I, when the pandemic hit, I started supporting my local shops and buying shop comics from them, even if it had to drive an hour and a half to do it. Um, I'm still doing that. Um, so I've got three, I've got three shops I'm supporting, uh, and I try and purse out my books between them. I only, uh, pick up digital if they straight up run out of everything. And then I'm like, I'm not waiting. <laughs> or I pick up a digital. <laughs> We're done here. If I uh, get Rickrolled like I did this week. To I went to go pick up the new <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man. And I was just in a hurry. And, you know, if, if you know what's going on in my life personally, my world's kind of crazy. Um, so I picked up the new Amazing Spider-Man. And got home and realized I had just picked up a second printing of a like a issue from two months ago that was on the new releases. And I'm like, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm not driving out again. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's not on my pools, but Amazing Spider-Man was dope. Going on. Um, I'll say this, that uh, Darth Vader number 10. Um, Darth Vader is continuing to straight up be some of the best stuff. In um, Marvel and Star Wars, uh, one of the things that uh, basically if you pick up the current run of Darth Vader, this issue, it's picking up at the end of Empire and running forward um, and that Palpatine is pressing in on Vader, etc. Um, but he's basically forced to earn his place. Because he's let a Death Star blow up, mm. he's let Luke get away, and he has to earn his keep or get, die. Um, and he ends up facing a monster in the current issue that makes him face all of his worst fears in anguish. And uh, Ooh, that dark so, side, that dark side, though. And this isn't even the dark side. This is just straight up a monster floating in space. So that's fun. Um, so, like, in the span of a couple pages, he goes from seeing Obi-Wan being struck down to Luke confronting him to Anakin having the high, or to Obi-Wan saying he's got the high ground to Luke and him switching places in their own battles and deaths. Um, oh, to the, uh, there's, there's literally a panel where they've got Luke 
standing over Anakin in the lava of Mustafar. Um, mm. And so they went ham with a lot of it. And uh, I, I just thought it was great. And so they've done some stuff with Padme and some different things. But Darth Vader number 10 is dope if you and you don't have to know a lot of new stuff. Literally, if you've seen Empire Strikes Back, you can start with Greg Pak's Darth Vader number one and keep rolling. Um, let's see. We only find them when they're dead. And I'm just going to number five. And I'm just going to say this. This book's worth it just because it's pretty. I'm not going to say it's super pretty. And that's the thing. Like every time I flip through this book, it's like being in a, an art gallery. Um, I'll say this on the manner of storytelling. They're slow as crap. Um, it like, is running a little slow. I was going to say, I was like, we're five issues into this and I'm still not a hundred percent on story, but wow, is it a pretty journey? And that's the thing. Like, I feel like we got to in issue five, what should have been issue two and a half to three in storytelling, but it's flipping gorgeous. Um, and I, I may put the book down and think they could you know, pick up the pace a bit. But there's never been a point I'm like, my goodness, this is just not interesting to look at. And so I'm going to say uh, we only find them when they're dead just for the sheer beauty of it. Um, and uh, Dark Detective number three uh, is uh, Dark Detective is Bruce Wayne uh, without a fortune, without gear, without all of his stuff, who's supposed to be dead, trying to survive. Um, in a city that has already air quotes killed him and he's just trying to make it. Um, and this one is good. I honestly enjoy seeing, I like Batman without all of his gadgets and resources. Um, Mm -hmm. tying it all the way back to Batman rest in peace. When we had the Batman of Zura and R one of my favorite storylines, um, where they pump Batman full of heroin strip him of everything and dump him on the streets. And even in the middle of a psychotic breakdown, he weaves together a costume out of some dumpster trash and starts beating people's heads in. Um, it's not quite to that level, but you strip Batman down to everything, but like a hoodie and a helmet. Right. And he's still Batman. And that's nice. And you actually also get to see, uh, the current Batman, uh, roll up on him <laughs> and he's like man it, it really sucks to see somebody else with all your gear but he's Batman and it's like he didn't say like Mr. Fox give me my crap back or anything like that he's just like carry on right <laughs> it's it's like he doesn't even discredit it he's like go be Batman cool I'm gonna handle my own problems um, and also the B-side stuff was great Um, I'm not the biggest grifter fan at all like <laughs> that's that's never going to be like mm, let me play the only time i've ever bought grifter was new 52 and now um but the new 52 or sorry not the, the 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 future state b-side grifter was actually really good and i love me some huntress and you get some good Huntress storyline in there and honestly if the grifter story kept the same pace in storytelling as what this is, I would probably buy it. Um, so there's that. So I I do enjoy Grifter because it's one of the pieces of Wildstorm that I thoroughly enjoy because I guess he's just... I mean, come on. He's, he's quasi the Deadpool foil on this side of things, or at least that's what he seems to be kind of being written as at the moment. Um at least in terms of his mannerisms and everything, he's pretty much a no care in the world kind of dude. And he's like armament. Yeah. Hook me up and I'm going to go do the thing. But I agree that this story has been fun because like you said, it's been him and Huntress and a well-drawn again, really pretty. Um, but also just is fun. And I like fun from characters like that. So I dig. This one was going to be on my list too, but I had a feeling that uh, my DC homeboy was going to be like, yep, Dark Detective. Um, and then I'll also go in and surprise, surprise, uh, Homesick Pilots number three. <laughs> um, I'll say it's not so. <laughs> uh, 
I freaking love this book and um the horror mystery element of it. Um okay, uh, let me put it this way. Uh I've recently watched uh my my daughter's just turned 13 today and so I'm getting the benefits hey, of, of having a teenage to you. I'll tell you said so. Um I'm getting the yeah, benefits of you. having a teenage kid so we can watch more mature things. And so there you go. um over the last year, we've watched The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor and some different things like that. And one of the things in Bly Manor and Hill House on Netflix is that there are hidden ghosts all throughout every scene. Um, And like, I want to say there were 48 in Hill House and 84 in Bly Manor. Like that literally there's conversations happening and then there's a hand just crawling out from under the bed that you're not supposed to notice. Um that if it catches you in the corner of your eye, you freak out. Um, the storytelling in Bly Manor, or not Bly Manor, sorry, in uh, the Homesick Pilots is beautiful. See, I told you we're doing we're doing comics now. Comics. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. The storytelling in this is beautiful enough that I enjoy reading it, but I literally get that same vibe where as I'm oh, turning cool. panels, like I'm not just going from word bubble to outline i'm scouring the corner of every panel because i feel like something's about to jump out at me um but not in a way that i'm afraid it's just like there's elements of this story that i'm that i want to see so uh that's there i was tied between this and two other ones the other two were wonder woman number two which i've already said super dope um and also the history of the dc universe number two which uh this came out when we were on our hiatus and uh but uh it's yeah i missed it like a fool yeah chris somehow managed to not know it existed um but here's the deal there's a lot clearly not in a good place back then (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of content always coming out and so you can miss a couple weeks or months and all of a sudden you're behind on stories. But if you, if we haven't mentioned enough or you haven't heard the history of the DC universe is a DC black label book. That's actually very well priced. There are only two issues out. The first one came out at Thanksgiving. The most recent one came out a week ago, but it's uh, telling the history of the DC universe from the perspective of African-American heroes, but not in a stereotypical fashion. It reads more like a history lesson interview told by these characters. The first issue uh, focuses on black lightning and it's phenomenal. The newest one focuses on Bumblebee and Malcolm um, who was the guardian at one point. Uh, He was also, you know, I forgot what he was called, but he's a guy who blows a shofar. And like, he literally had to wrestle an angel, you know, Jacob style to uh, get a shofar and beat death. All these crazy things. But it's literally hearing uh, these things. And outside of just the normal comic, you know, pattern, it straight up shows us almost on a historical level what it was like from their perspectives. Um, But it requires just a heads up. It's reading. It is much more text than bubbles. So, uh, wait, 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 wait. Are you sure this isn't a book? It, it's a book with pictures, but it's not a children's book. <laughs> but, but it's got a lot of text. Um, I'm, it's, I'm confused. Yes. Um, it, it's a lot of text, but those are, those are my pulls, um, that I really enjoyed and thought highly of. So, what about you? Ooh, so. I mean, I liked a lot of what you liked as well, but I think that was pretty clear. So for me, um, I'm going kind of deep into the bag of weird things. So it's great to have Chris along for the journey, apparently, because that's what I'm here for. Um, But actually, kind of towards the beginning of the two-week period, I picked up Matt Kent and Hillary Jenkins' new Dark Horse book, Fear Case. And it is aptly named because it is about... Secret Service agents um, that are working on this cold case. And here's the deal. Here's the breakdown is when a new agent comes to their field office, they are handed this file 
and they are given exactly one year to work on it because if they work longer on it, it basically drives them crazy because nobody ever gets anywhere on it. But what it is is that they found that there's this box that has made its way through history. So they show panels of like stuff back to Egypt through like early China and like all these things that we read through the history books where really crazy things occurred. And no one can find the box, but they think they have a lead on it. And so this new group is like in their last couple weeks of their year. And in the beginning of this comic, they trip over um, someone that is literally just seen the box. And what you find out basically is it's kind of one of those things of you you want to pass this box along, but you don't want to open it kind of things. And semi-spoiler, but it's the name of the comic book. It causes a great deal of fear to anyone that opens it or doesn't pass it on. So basically, if you don't follow the rules of the box, really, really bad stuff happens because of super crazy amounts of fear. And this is definitely a mature book because it does – it's – yeah, um, it's, a, it's, it's a little gritty um, in what people do as a result of that level of fear. Um, but I'm kind of hooked. I've been enjoying kind of like these mystery slash um, – slasher slash – I have no idea what to call this thing, but – it's Matt Kent's style of art, which is just really cool, and it's a really kind of out there story. So I'm in for it. I'm on the journey. Um, on my journey of really weird things, I've also been reading The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys National Anthem. Now, I'm talking about number five this week, but this is Gerard Way at Dark Horse, Return of Fabulous Killjoys. Um, and... I think this is another one of those I am five issues in and I still have absolutely no idea what's going on. But wow, is it really gorgeous. But it's it, it's a really unique form of art. It's almost like stereogram. So, you know, like the 3D things with like dots. Like there's more white space in a lot of the panels than there are like colors and things like that. But there's a lot going on. Um, and it's just typical Gerard Way, like completely off the rocker insanity is going on. So if you enjoyed um, his revival of Doom Patrol, it's because you enjoyed Fabulous Killjoys the first time around, and this is just more of that. And that's not a bad thing if that's what you're into. So if you're looking for the, I really don't know what's going on, but it's really pretty and doing really cool um, comic book storytelling, then yeah, you should probably go back to the beginning of this and pick it up and come along for the ride so maybe all of us can figure out what on earth is going on. And I read a lot of number ones this week is what I'm <laughs> realizing. Um, and yeah, we even have a thing about just number ones, but we'll get to that. Um, but for now, Image dropped a new uh, number one. Kyle Higgins and Marcelo Costa brought us Radiant Black. And most of you are probably going to have difficulty finding Radiant Black because it's selling pretty well from most places I've heard. And people tend to jump on number ones from Image because you never know, right? Um, but Radiant Black follows basically the American dream of the American writer. And that is to say that he has absolutely no money. He is $38,000 in credit card debt. He's moving back in with his parents because, you know, this whole thing's worked out. But he almost has that first short story ready to sell. And so he goes back home to live with mom and dad. Mom and dad are super happy. And we're talking about a guy that's probably about our age. So mid-30s, <laughs> late-30s, like this hasn't worked out kind of thing. And he goes home and one of his friends from high school is like, oh, you know, that's the guy. And they go drinking. And, you know, when drinking occurs, bad decisions usually follow. But um, they're kind of out and about and they run into some cops because they're just hanging out on a railroad bridge. And they're like, yeah, this seems like a bad idea for drunk people. And word of advice to the rest of you, that that's bad. it's a bad, bad place to be if you're inebriated. Go home. Call Uber. Don't, don't go play with trains. Um, 
But during that, like this little like black hole appears next to him and he's like, what's that? And the rest is pretty much how comic books work. Because he touched the black hole, right? Black <laughs> like as this was unfolding, it's like you probably you probably shouldn't touch the glow. Okay, touch the glowy thing and let's see how this goes. And he kind of turns into this crazy superhero, makes the entire train and everyone like levitate, and he has no idea how he did it. And that's the stepping off point for Radiant Black, um, because we have no idea what what the glowy thing was, so. Um, it's an, it's your typical comic book origin story, but it being image, I, and just the type of storytelling it's been this far, I have a feeling that ain't the end of that story. <laughs> so I, I'm about it. I, I kind of want to see how we do this again, because we do this a lot in comics, right? Like we've heard this story before, but I'm always on board to find out where it's going to go and if it's going to keep my attention. So for at least the moment. You, you're getting a number two out of me image, which is kind of the point, but here we go. And then finally, as if anyone here would be surprised, um, Daredevil 27 came out and we're still king of blacking because um, I think that's a verb now in Marvel or it should be um, because it feels like that's pretty much what's going on everywhere. Um, but lots of folks in the Daredevil world had been taken over. Um, Typhoid Mary has, is kind of rolling about and that's a truly frightening concept right there because now she has what? Three plus personalities rolling around in her head. So at least that's three. crazy. And at least the minimum is three at this point. Um, and one of them is a crazy killer, um, alien God. So there's that. Um, but Daredevil also, you know, fell down that hole. Um, spoiler alert. Um, and he's still in jail, and so that was playing itself out. And I think the main thing for me was, like, straight up, Marvel people, you know this. I don't – I'm typically not the Venom guy. I, I'm i just not. So you can at me on that. That's fine. And when I saw this, I was like, I just get, – get, get your event out of my book that I love. <laughs> but how Matt battling – this alien god thing inside him and there's even a dialogue about that whole thing where it's like he's like you know people usually don't resist me this long and matt's like well you know <laughs> um and he's in prison he's like well i think i got an idea how to get the thing out and he gets one of his buddies in prison to strap him into the electric chair and yeah they let that play out <laughs> and because because comics are a thing it worked but I think the thing still here that's pretty amazing about it is that, again, we were still talking about Matt Murdock's faith down this journey. And um, Hector, I think you mentioned it. What what was it that he said? Because I think you nailed it. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, one of Matt's lines as he was uh, strapping himself into an electric chair was um, eternal life isn't that scary if you have faith. Um, and if you check the faith and fandom yeah. page, I'm going to post, uh, screenshots of that or pictures of that later, but no, it's, Ooh, there was so. a, some really good dialogue just on Matt's end of things on his faith in that point. Cause one of, one of my favorite parts in that one is the fact that, uh, Noel was trying to tell him that his God wasn't real because he cries right. when people die right. or they air quotes go to heaven. He's like, I don't cry because they're not they're gone i cried because i don't think i'm worthy of god's love i'm like oh dang <laughs> like it was so good right it's like so for a couple of pastors we're sitting here going wow we still really dig that chip sadarsky is telling a really good christian journey for matt murdoch you know without you know completely taking over the rest of the podcast that it's that that's really neat because faith has always been a very important part of Matt Murdock and Daredevil's life. And so seeing some of those themes get pulled back into issue by issue, Murdock dealing with just everything in front of him has just been really fun. And Zdarsky's done fun, the best really job solid. of it I've seen in Daredevil's history. Um, yeah, no, like, no joke. You go back to some of the other stuff in the Frank Miller run and you go – 
that's solid, but it feels a little more, I don't know. I want to use the word genuine, but I don't know if that's fair. Maybe it is. Um, and that's been really great. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So a large portion of what the Ministry of Faith and Fandom has been for the last seven years is that I write a book of nerdy Bible studies, one each year, and I tour them around Comic-Cons all throughout the Southeast. And it's been a really awesome ride. And with Comic-Cons basically shutting down for at least the last year, that's ministry in a large portion has come to a screeching halt. But God had still put stuff on my heart from the past and the present that I felt was fruitful and needed to be used. So we got a website and we started putting each chapter up individually on blogs. And it straight up took six weeks to do this in my free time. And in that process, I was reviewing what we had written, what I had written. I was formatting it, you know, and but some of this stuff I legitimately haven't looked at in seven years. And as I was looking at these things that I had written, I came to realize that I had straight up forgotten really valuable lessons that God had shown me and that I had been in places and seasons and struggles where God had shown up in big ways and taught me important lessons. And, you know, I wrote them down, but when I wrote them down, I also just kind of ignored them once I got them out of my head and out of my fingers. And it reminded me of this verse, Jeremiah 30, verse two. And this is a verse my youth pastor shared with me when I was an early teenager. It said this, that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, write in a book, all the words I've spoken to you. Now, this was God speaking directly to a prophet, but the reality of it is If God shows you something, if God speaks to you, if God reveals something to you in scripture, whatever it is, if God shows up to your heart, it's worth writing down. And if it's worth writing down, it's worth reviewing. And you don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a big audience. You don't have to put it out for everyone to see. But please understand, if God shows it to you, you should hang on to it because that's valuable and that's treasured and it has fruit that's eternal. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. Those are, those are our polls, but we got a couple more minutes and we want to give you our favorite number ones. And I just talked about a bunch of number ones, but I had a number one that even was better than this. So for me, as we wrap up our time today, I'm going to tell you to read an all ages book because it was awesome. And it's called Orcs! Exclamation point. Um, and it's from Kaboom, uh, Boom Studios. And Christine Larson is doing all the art and the storytelling. And so it's about, you know, we talk about D&D and fantasy and that kind of stuff. It's usually the humans or whatever going on the adventuring. This focuses on the orcs who are typically the bad guys. Um, there's a lot of tropey D&D stuff going on, but because it's an all ages book, it is very humorous. And you cross a lot of interesting characters. The art is really amazing. It's really a fun book to just look at in this space and I just enjoyed myself through the entire thing and if an all ages book can make me giggle and also go this is just really fun I'm going to tell other people to read it because that's comics man that that transcends ages and everything that you can enjoy a thing well again Boom Studios is just freaking amazing at talent and they're just killing it right now so go read Orcs number one Fair. What you got?
Uh, I'm just going to throw out Man Bat number one, which, by the way, I didn't realize it wasn't Future State when I bought it. I'm just so used to everything being Future <laughs> State that I'm like, oh, wait, what? Huh? Oh, this is a, a regular book? Um, I was like, that's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, but uh, Man Bat number one is dope. And uh, it's a Man Bat story. There's not really a lot more to say there. But uh, one of the things I do enjoy is that it gave us a conversation between Kirk and and man bat very similar to eddie and venom Mm -hmm. and i think it's the first time in my memory we've had internal dialogue going on between the two personalities if i I can't remember that being a thing before um you're probably right and to the point of because i really enjoyed this too is i think because the the plot twist here is langstrom has finally gone too far that usually this is like a um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing where he pops the vial and becomes the thing. Well, the the premise here is kind of that transition of they're, they're now becoming one. So that makes sense to me that this would probably be one of the first times we really see that. And uh, I, I just really feel like that was the, the most fun depiction I've seen of Man Bat – and it also tied into some classic stories as well, like all the way back to Grant mm-hmm. Morrison's run. Um, but having it, they basically turned Man Bat into Venom, in not a nasty way. Um, and the other thing of it is just that uh, it felt like um, it, it just—I mean, I think that's it. It just felt like a, a Venom run, and it oh, it did for me for Man Bat what the Harleen book did for Two-Face. I'm out. Ooh. Yeah, no. So definitely check those out, fam. Ready? Drop the comment. Okay. (laughs) The CGC value just went down. (laughs) Oh, no. Pick it up quick. It might be still okay. (laughs) It's not okay. CGC is going to know. But fam, that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 47 is in the books and now in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this journey of epic podcasts and fandom with lots of other amazing podcasts here that are part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com for more info, previous episodes, and maybe you'll find yourself a new show to add to your routine. But once again, Hector and I just want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting chap app of choice. Chap of choice? You know what I'm talking about. Give us the five stars because this is where you get quality entertainment, where Chris forgets how to say words. But we're on the iTunes. See? Again, terrible. I'm on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Man, 47. It's almost been three years we've been doing this, dude. Starting to finally hit that groove. But thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read more comics.